Of course, we all know what the rosary is. Uh, we know how to pray it. Um, and, and I think that a lot of us that are um, in the habit of praying the rosary uh, every day, um, I think we know that it's beneficial to us. We know that it's, it's a, um, a very good devotion for us to have. But I wonder how, um, how often maybe we forget how powerful uh, the rosary really is. Um, Sister uh, Lucia, one of the children that Mary appeared to at Fatima, uh, she gave an interview in 1957. And um, I would think that Sister Lucia is probably uh, a pretty good witness uh, to the power of the rosary because if the Blessed Mother uh, is in is is looking at you and you're looking at her and, and she tells you to pray it every day, you're probably going to do it, right? So she's a really good source. But this is what Sister Lucia said. The most holy virgin in these last times in which we live has given new efficacy in the recitation of the Holy Rosary. She has given this efficacy to such an extent that there is no problem no matter how difficult it is, whether temporal or above all spiritual, in families, of the families in the world, or of the religious communities, or even of the life of peoples and nations that cannot be solved by the rosary. There is no problem, I tell you, no matter how difficult it is, that we cannot solve by the prayer of the Holy Rosary. With the Holy Rosary, we will save ourselves. We will sanctify ourselves. We will console our Lord and obtain the salvation of many souls. And so we know that we are in in spiritual warfare um, against Satan, and we need all the weapons that we can can get uh, to really fight this battle. And the Rosary is... is, um, you know, outside of the, the Mass and, and Holy Communion, uh, the Rosary is the most powerful weapon that we have. And so that's why it's, it's not only good for us to pray it every day, but it's good for um, this spiritual battle that, that our world is in, that the Church is in um, against the, the forces of Satan. And so um, I think, too, like I, I think I mentioned yesterday, um, that... Uh, you know, that Jesus, um, you know, is never um, jealous of any devotion or honor that we bestow upon Mary. And Mary is, is of course, very powerful in her relationship uh, with Jesus in the sense that um, Jesus cannot deny anything that, that his mother asks of him. If it's going to be for our benefit, for somebody else's benefit, um, so that they can... Uh, grow in holiness or turn away from sin, Jesus is going to grant it. And the rosary is the most powerful way that we can um, uh, in- ask Mary to intercede for us to Christ. And of course, we know too that Mary is our mother. She's not only the mother of Jesus, but in a, in a real way. Um, and even even in a, it's a different way, but maybe even on a higher level, uh, she is more of a mother to us than our own biological mother, because the spiritual is on a higher 
level, of course, than, than the biological. And so if we are truly children of Mary, um, then, then just as if you're a mother, you know how, how much uh, you would do anything to help your child. Uh, Mary, even more so, will do anything uh, to help her children uh, here on earth. And uh, lastly, um, the rosary teaches us the way to holiness and to have peace of soul. And I think that's something that we can all, um, we can all agree is something that uh, we need, especially in our day. That seems like there's a, there's a lot more anxiety in the world than there was even uh, 30, 40 years ago. And so the, if it's something as simple as, as praying the rosary every day to alleviate some of that anxiety, um, to have that peace of soul, uh, that God wants for us, but that we that we want as well. Our last uh, group of uh, mysteries is are the luminous mysteries, and the first mystery is the baptism in the Jordan. And of course, baptism is the gateway sacrament. You can't have any any of the other sacraments uh, without baptism, and only the baptized in Jesus Christ can receive Holy Communion. And, and, uh, and of course, um, baptized and being in a state of grace uh, to, to receive Holy Communion. And that, that sanctifying grace is what we receive at our baptism, that first gift of God's life in our soul. And um, that's, that's what uh, um, Holy Communion helps to, to grow and increase in our soul as well. The second mystery is the manifestation at Cana and at the wedding feast of Cana. And, you know, at a wedding, the husband and the wife, their new union is mirrored in the unity of the Eucharist in a, in a very real way. Um, that's why it's so important, I think, that, that Catholic couples uh, get married um, in the church in the sense of in the context of a mass. Uh, sometimes it's, um, I guess I don't know why, but sometimes they don't want to have the mass. I don't know if they think it's too long, but, um, but the, 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 to celebrate the Eucharist inside of the sacrament of holy matrimony, I think is very important because there's no better sign of unity than of that couple, which is now uh, two persons in one flesh being united in receiving the Eucharist uh, together. And, and so I, when I'm working with engaged couples, I tell them, you know, if they want um, uh, the unity candle um, to, as, as part of their cer- ceremony, which I think is kind of falling by the wayside, which I think is kind of a good thing because it's really symbolism uh, over substance or the, the different colors of sand being poured into to a glass is a, is a different one too. But... Um, but why would you do that when you have the Eucharist? You have the Eucharist there, and that is the, 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 it's the best symbol, but it's more than a symbol. It's a reality that, that husband and wife now share. Uh, the third mystery is the proclamation of the kingdom of God. I always, I guess in my meditation, I always struggle on what this really means, uh, the proclamation of the kingdom of God, but I think it boils down to Jesus Christ as prophet. Um, Jesus is priest, prophet, and king, 
and in the proclamation of the the kingdom of God, um, um, you know, we have the, this mystery uh, of Christ in in heaven, but also that He's truly present in the Holy Eucharist, um, and in and in us after we receive it. And so there is there is that that mystery there. Um, you know, where, where Jesus is calling us to repentance and, um, and, uh, so that there's that, there's that, that reality of Jesus in heaven, Jesus also in the Eucharist. Uh, the fourth mystery is the transfiguration. Uh, Peter, James, and John, they receive just a glimmer of the glorified Christ on Mount Tabor. And every time we receive Holy Communion, of course, we receive the fullness of Jesus in, in the Eucharist, but we also receive, I think, a glimmer of Christ's glory, you know, every time uh, we receive. And, and so, in a, in, a, in a like manner, with the transfiguration, it's a, it was a great gift that Jesus gave to Peter, James, and John to kind of get them through the struggle of hearing Jesus say, I'm going to be um, arrested and, and persecuted and killed on, on the cross. And that would have been uh, very tough for them to hear. But through the transfiguration, they had this glimmer of, of Christ's glory that, that uh, you know, something that they had to uh, get them through the scandal of the cross. And the Holy Eucharist can do the same for us if we're, if we're, Maybe in a bout of of uh, spiritual desolation, you know, the constant reception of Holy Communion can can keep us strong, keep us going during those uh, difficult times. And the last mystery is the institution of the Holy Eucharist. So obviously um, related uh, to receiving Holy Communion, um, God becomes man so that man could become like God. And he does that most especially, I think, in the gift of the Holy Eucharist. When we receive God into our body and soul, we are divinized. We are made not we are not made God, but we're made more like God because we are receiving God um, into our into our body and soul. And so, um, and so, in terms of receiving Holy Communion, I always um, I've got a uh, a great opportunity. Um, at Aquinas and St. Mary's, I get to visit the, the second graders um, uh, once a week. All the priests take one of the grade school classes and visit uh, once a week. And so I get to visit the second graders, and of course they're learning uh, their first confession and, and for getting ready for uh, First Holy Communion. And you know, as an aside, um, whenever I'm having a, a bad day, um, if I go visit the grade school kids... Uh, that day is better, and so that's that's a great gift for us as priests. There's not a lot of perks to being a priest, but one of them is you can you can go into a, a grade school classroom and you're a rock star. And uh, doesn't work so much with juniors or seniors, but they're like, oh, it's father. <laughs> but the littles are always fun. But it's so awesome, you know. They they know. They know the theology already as second graders. They know, and it's just it's such a great age that uh, Pope Pius X um, started uh, at that, that that age of reason, age of seven, where kids know the difference between um, uh, bread and the Eucharist. They know what the consecration is. They know it's not a sign. They know it's not a symbol. 
Uh, kids know the real thing. They know what accidents is. They know what substance is. They know about uh, transubstantiation, and they can actually uh, pronounce it uh, correctly too. So, um, so they're ready. Um, and it's 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 so wonderful wonderful to see their their joy of receiving their first holy communion, and that's the same joy that we experience too. That is. You know, as Catholics, we don't only get to talk about the Eucharist and learn about the Eucharist or pray about the Eucharist, but we get to um, actually receive him, receive him in the Holy Eucharist. And, um, you know, the Eucharist is a sacrifice in as much as it is offered up, and it's a sacrament in as much as it is received. And so what I mean by that is, you know, every time we're at Mass, you know, we are placing our intentions and sacrifices on the pattern of the priest. And the more that we um, give ourselves uh, away to Christ in that offering, the more the Mass is a sacrifice for us. The more that we are uh, properly disposed to receive Jesus in the Holy Eucharist, the more it's a sacrament or the more it's a visible sign uh, of reality to us uh, of, of receiving uh, God's grace. And so, um, so just as it's necessary to, rec- to um, nourish our bodies with material, material food, it's also necessary for us to nourish our souls with spiritual food. And so Jesus loved us so much that he gave, gave us um, himself in the Holy Eucharist. He gave us his own uh, body and blood as food for our souls. Um, and I think in a lot of places around the country, um, at Mass, uh, people can receive uh, both species. They can receive the, the sacred host, and they can also receive the precious blood. Uh, we don't have that too much in our diocese here of Lincoln, uh, only because we we don't have enough acolytes to um, you know basically to cover every mass to distribute holy communion and also to um, distribute the chalice. But even if we just receive the host, we're receiving everything. We're receiving the body, the blood, the soul, and, and the divinity of Christ. Or um, in the same manner, like uh, when I was at uh, teaching at, at Bishop Newman in Wahoo. Uh, there was a high school girl there that had celiac disease, and so she could not receive the host. And so um, after communion, she would receive the precious blood uh, from the chalice. And so she was receiving the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of Christ just through the precious blood. Um, sometimes I would forget that she was going to receive, and I would drink the, the whole chalice, and I felt bad, but she was very kind to me and, and didn't yell at me. But um, um, So we receive both. It doesn't matter under what appearance uh, we, receive, we receive Jesus. And it's, I think it's very important, too, that we prepare ourselves well for receiving Holy Communion, um, especially if we're in the habit of going to Mass every day. Um, you know, we can, um, we can let it become maybe too habitual, but, you know, some good things to pray about before we go up to receive is to make um, really intense acts of faith, hope, and love, and contrition. But if we, can, if we can pray in our mind before, you know, receiving that 
I believe that this is Jesus Christ. I place all of my hope in Jesus Christ. I love my Lord Jesus. I'm sorry for all of my sins. And any sins that I may have forgotten to confess, I want to be sorry for those too. So in other words, we want to make sure that our soul is as, is as pure and clean as it can be um, before receiving Holy Communion, because we're going to receive, um, uh, not, not in a sense more graces, but, we will, but our, our heart and our soul will be more open, have a larger capacity to receive the fullness of Jesus um, in, in Holy Communion. Uh, we should also um, um, remember that um, in our in our um, desire to be well prepared, you know that we should be neat and clean and, and modest in our own appearance and respectful and reverent when we receive holy communion and um, I'm probably preaching to the choir choir here on this, but you know for for people that you know that you know, come to Sunday Mass. Yes, um, we're grateful that that they're there. But if they if they come to Mass, you know, sloppily dressed or or dressed immodestly, it does affect their attitude. Um, and they may not think it, it affects them. It, it may affect somebody else if their dress is a is a distraction. But if a person dresses up uh, nicely for Mass, you know, it doesn't change God, but it does change you. It changes your attitude. You have more reverence when you uh, dress up nicely because it shows uh, the respect you have for God, the respect you have for yourself. And it's, it's kind of like when we had exposition here last night. You know, the tradition is if a person's able to genuflect on both knees uh, when Jesus is exposed. Now, that doesn't change God, you know, that, that we genuflect on both knees, but it does change us in a certain sense because it's a, that double genuflection is something extra. It's a little extra reminder that, that this really is Jesus Christ. And so, um, and so anything that we can do to, um, to help our, our um, awareness of the, of the presence of Christ um, is just going to be a, a benefit to us. Uh, what should we do after Holy Communion? I think the thanksgiving that we can do after Mass is, is super important um, because it helps us not take Holy Communion for granted. Um, and even if that can just be five minutes after Mass or, or ten minutes, whatever it might be, just to give thanks and to recollect uh, for receiving Him. You know, sometimes people will, will tell me... Um, you know that right after mass that they're that they're falling into sin or they're they're gossiping or they're they're criticizing and they're complaining and they say father i just received holy communion and now i'm i'm saying these these awful things you know why am i doing that you know i should be i just received jesus i shouldn't be uh, so quick to to fall into this sin and i tell them well what did what what were you doing you know right after mass did you stop um and pray and give thanks to God for what it, what you have received, or did you just go right from the end of mass to outside to, to catch up with your friends and, and to talk? And nothing th- nothing wrong with that, but but how are we um, 
you know, as important as it is to prepare for Holy Communion, it's also very important to give thanks, to, to again, remind ourselves who is present um, in our body, who is present in our soul. Uh, St. Charles Borromeo said, very, said something very similar to priests. Priests were complaining to him that, um, that they got so distracted during Mass and that it was hard for them to, to focus on the Mass. And he said, well, what were you doing in the sacristy before Mass started? Were you, were you chatting away or were you getting recollected and were you preparing for Mass? And so it goes both ways, I think. We have to, you know, if we want to have a, a more intense and devout experience of, of the Mass and receiving the Holy Eucharist, then we have to do the little things to uh, prepare ourselves and, and to give thanks um, as well afterwards. There's, I think, uh, four, four main effects of, of receiving Holy Communion in a, in, a, uh, in a worthy way. And the first one would be a closer union with our Lord. And that's obvious, right? That when we receive Jesus into our body, we're going to have a close union with him but it's also going to give us a more fervent love of God and our neighbor. Secondly, uh, as I said before, we receive an increase of sanctifying grace or God's life. And that's the, that's the state of grace we need to be in when we die so that we can um, eventually uh, go to heaven. Um, I know a, an older gentleman and, and uh, somebody asked him one time, you know, it was not. It was a, another priest, but they asked him, "You know, why? Why do you go to? Why do you go to mass every day?" This priest was just curious. Why do you go to mass every day? And he said, "I'm building up credit, Father." <laughs> and I'm not sure if that's exactly how it works, but you know, in his mind, he was um, trying to to grow in his love of the Lord, trying to build up that that life of grace in his heart so that uh, when his day came, that he would be ready to meet um, his, his uh, merciful judge. Uh, thirdly, we have uh, preservation uh, from mortal sin and the remission of venial sin. So it's not an absolute guarantee that the more we receive Holy Communion that we're not going to commit a mortal sin, but the very fact that somebody is um, devoted to the Holy Eucharist, it's going, to, it's going to be much more difficult, I think, for them to fall into mortal sin, you know, on a regular basis. Then the fourth chief effect of a worthy Holy Communion is really lessening our inclinations to sin. And, um, um, you know, I'm uh, probably, again, preaching to the choir here a little bit, but um, St. Jose Maria Escrivá, He's, he um, told somebody one time that who was um, a daily masser, and this person told uh, Father Escrivá that, you know, I, I'm going to Mass every day, I'm trying to grow in sanctity, and I'm trying to grow in holiness, but I just, I'm not making any progress. You know, I, I feel like I'm, I'm not as holy as I want to be, not as holy uh, as I should be. Um, but I'm doing all these things. You know, I'm going to confession. I'm going to I'm going to mass, and uh, and the saint um, said, um, "Well, just imagine where you would be if you weren't receiving every day. 
you know, um, in terms of if you weren't receiving every day or you weren't working on your path to holiness, uh, you would be a lot worse off. And so, um, so in, in the sense of don't get discouraged that you're not um, achieving these levels of holiness that you want, but to know that by your, um, by your daily reception of the Holy Eucharist, you know, that you are growing in your spiritual life. And that we, we, we really shouldn't be the judge of that. You know, God should be the judge of our, of our progress. And so, lastly, um, why is it a good thing to receive Holy Communion uh, often or even daily? Um, and it's good because, like I said, this is, our, this is an intimate union with Jesus Christ, uh, the source of all of our holiness and the giver of all graces, and this, can, this is the greatest aid uh, to living a holy life. And that's what we all want. We want to be happy. We want to be holy. And we have that in the most uh, perfect way in receiving Jesus Christ.